Many of you know, I've said this a few times now, but let me just say it again, that uh, in the weeks leading up to Easter, and they are fewer now, we have just a, a couple of weeks left now, but in the weeks leading up to Easter, I have asked my team to speak each weekend. Uh, Pastor Young spoke, Pastor Jim spoke last weekend. Uh, I, have each, I have asked each of them to bring their alabaster box. What I asked them to do was to come and make sure they had a, you know, a, a, that they could summarize their heart's cry in a sentence. Uh, what has, has turned out that has they have, they've, all of them have begun to really unpack their life. Uh, but I want them to bring their alabaster box. Now you know what that means. That's that reference to the passage in the Gospels where uh, the the lady breaks open a box of expensive perfume. But it was in it was in alabaster. It was then she broke it open and and the, the fragrance filled the room, and Jesus received it as an act of worship. It was really the outpouring of her life to Christ. That's what I've asked my, my team to come and bring. Uh, this weekend, I have asked Pastor Jess Lane, <laughs> my associate pastor for children and families, to come and to speak. Jess and Dan and their boys are a treasured gift to my life and to this house. Jess and her team have served this house and community with fervent affection and faithfulness, sacrifice, especially, especially this year. Um, she is and on our team. Jess is a terrific team player. She's always ready to make to make it happen. Uh, she is optimistic, energetic, uh, compassionate, and fierce. We love her. Uh, Jess knows the pain of brokenness and the joy of redemption. And it is an honor for me to invite her voice to our house this weekend. And I pray that we sense her heart even as we hear her voice. And I'm going to ask you to, to, to help me honor Pastor Jess Lane. Would you welcome her? Good morning. Hello, everyone. All right. Well, I'm really excited to be doing this. This is really fun. I, I'm usually back there, so I don't get to see all of you. So yay, this is awesome. <laughs> and it really is an honor um, to be asked to share, you know, my history with you guys. Um, when I look back and I remember all that God has done so far in my life, I am always overwhelmed by his pursuit of me. In my rebellion, he still protected me. He helped me, and he wanted me. Mess after mess. So this morning, I want to share with you um, something that has been very true and real to me. Jesus Christ will wipe away your sin. And when he does, refreshing will come. Obtaining relief will be possible it was for me. I know it's true because I've experienced it and because it tells us this in God's word. So I'm going to share a scripture with you guys this morning. Acts 3, 19 and 20. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed to you. 
So like I said, I'm going to share a little bit of my history this morning with you guys. So that my the slide actually says how we met Jesus. So we is me and Dan. He's in over there. <laughs> um, and I'm going to start um, at in 2006. So in April of 2006, um, we were invited to church for the very first time. That doesn't mean I had never set foot in a church. I had gone to my grandmother's church several times, but I wasn't a part of it. I just went for grandma. Um, and God is so good and so faithful and, and, and definitely into the details because he orchestrated it that Daniel was actually invited, not me. Because had they invited me, I would have said, no, we don't, no, we don't do that on Sundays. We don't go to church. That's not, that's not what we do. Um, and so, uh, but I was pretty distracted and busy at the time and, and we had got to know these people. I mean, we really did trust them. That makes a big difference. Right. And, um, and so they asked Danny and he said, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to do that. So I said, okay, I'm so distracted. Okay. So, um, the church that we went to, um, was nothing like a church I had ever been to before. Um, I had been to some Catholic churches and that, that was it. And so, um, again, I will say God was pursuing me. He was into the details because even just the way that this particular church that we were invited to was set up, their stage was set up like an old movie theater and they passed a an offering bucket. It was a popcorn bucket. I know it sounds silly, but these were the things that opened my eyes and ears, right? That got my attention. Those are the details that, that I needed, I guess, to, to listen and hear what they had to say about Jesus for the first time. And I said, yes, I said yes to Jesus. I couldn't, couldn't deny it. Right. <clears throat> I don't remember exactly what week it was, you know, if it was that very first time or a few times later, but I said, yes. And um, but in the midst of that, yes, I had a lot of no's. I was like, I believe, I want to know you. I was so captivated by Jesus. But I was like, I'm not going to change my mind about this or this or this or this or this. Okay, there we go. And God is so good, isn't he? He lets you say yes to him and, and, and have your list if you need it, you know, while you figure things out. And so <laughs> he did. But I, I just was so curious. I was so hungry. I was 30 years old when I accepted Christ. So I lived a long time like this, you know, from religion and him. And um, so I had tons and tons and tons of questions. And I had met this gal, and um, she was just, to me, like Bible scholar. You know, she's not really, but she does know a lot. And she'd always loved Jesus her whole life. So I was asking her all these questions. And I was reading the Old Testament. And I called her, and I was like, what's going on with the Old Testament? He seems really mean. Just don't worry about that right now. It's like, okay, <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> Stick with the New Testament. Um, <clears throat> and I, I really wanted to get plugged in. I just loved the energy at the church. And, you know, um, and so I started volunteering on choir because uh, my family's musical and that was familiar to me. And so, so I started doing that. And as I sang about Jesus and as I learned these songs that were very new to me, I promise you that's not what I was listening to prior to that. Um, <clears throat> I felt something. I felt something. I was changed. I was starting to change as I, as I stood up there and, and, and sang those songs. It was powerful and having people sing back, you know, at, to us. And so it was wonderful. Um, but I also began to learn about sin and grace, right? Those things seemed kind of confusing to me. But, um, but sin, you know, was like, oh, what is that? I thought that was just for y'all that believed in God. That, that, that applies to everyone? So that, that was actually a real revelation to me that, that I had sinned um, prior to knowing Jesus. I, I, d I just didn't, hadn't got that connection before. And so 
Uh, realizing though that I had sin and that it had applied to me even before I knew Jesus started me on the most important healing journey of my life. I'm so thankful for it. So now we're going we're gonna to go back in time. We're going to talk about our story. So um, we're going to back up to 1996. Woo! Some of you weren't even alive yet. That's okay. <laughs> no. And um, in September of that year, I met Dan. We were actually in, uh, introduced to each other through a mutual friend. And we were pretty much like, you know, inseparable <laughs> after we met. Um, and, you know, I'll just tell you, like, I didn't just come to the relationship super healthy and no trauma and no, you know, I was just a mess. I mean, I came to it really messy. He had gone through stuff and, you know, so we got together. So, you know, that's, that's who we were. Um, and after about six months of being together, we found out we were pregnant. And I will tell you, I, I've always knew I would be a mom. There was never a question. I've met people that weren't sure what they'd want to do about that. I always knew. I knew from being a little girl that I was going to be a mom. Um, but at that time in my life, I was 19, and I was just getting ready to switch jobs, go from one job to another job, and this job was, you know, supposedly all these things, these wonderful things, and this woman was making a, a real exception for me. I was too, much younger than women that she would normally hire. So I thought, well, I should probably go tell her that this life change is happening. So I drove there because it was before texting, you know, you'd go in person, <laughs> talk to people. And so, um, so I, I drove there and, and, you know, fully intending to, I'm parenting, I'm, I'm moving forward. I told my family I was pregnant. It wasn't a secret. I wasn't keeping it a secret. Danny was in the car. I went inside, talked to her, and in a nutshell, she said, um, if you're pregnant, you don't have a job. I know it's not legal, but she still said it. It's fine. And so, um, and because I believe of my conditioning, I'd been in high school and I don't have time to go into the conditioning that happens there. But um, because of the conditioning, because of, I'm going to go so far as to say brainwashing, um, really, truly having, I'm, if it sounds nonchalant, it, it was, I mean, it was like, I'm pregnant. Well, if you're pregnant, you don't have a job. Okay. I'll end the pregnancy. That's just that simple, just that quick of a decision. It's not. But that, unfortunately, was the programming. That was the conditioning that I was in at the time. And so <clears throat> uh, that child's name is Gemma, and she was born in heaven uh, in uh, April of 1997. And I'm not, I'm not going to go over the procedure and things like that today, um, but I will say for sure, that I came out of that clinic a completely different person, completely different woman. Was, I was not the same. You cannot go through a traumatic experience like that and stay the same person, especially not when we're dealing with life, when we're dealing with human life, because God tells us life always matters. I am not the boss of when life starts or stops. I'm just not. And this, this really, really, really affected me. I had to bury it, though, because in our society, in our world, it's my right, but there's really no way to process that, actually. And so I had to bury it. And I got good at that. There were some things prior to that that hurt, and I didn't want to feel them, so I, I figured out how to not feel things. Um, and so that's what I did. I just, I just buried it. But what I learned was, is that ignoring trauma does not make it go away. 
And for me, it intensified it and made it worse. So um, I went forward in life. Daniel and I stayed together. We made it through that. And um, uh, fast forward now, so that was 97. Fast forward to 2000, April again of 2000. Um, and I found out on, on April Fool's Day that I was pregnant again. Um, this time, it was different. This time, I can remember very distinctly uh, saying to Daniel and whoever would hear me, um, I don't care what anyone says. I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. Um, I just can't. And so um, I have a family member. She's a sonographer, which is a great thing to do have when you want to see your baby all the time. Um, and um, But this was new for me. This, this appointment was going to be the first time that I'd ever had a diagnostic ultrasound to, to look for life and want to, and want to, you know, see it. Um, and so there I am sitting, she gets the screen going and all of a sudden there's a baby like head, body, arms, legs moving around. Walker D was just, we didn't know it was Walker D at the time, but, um, moving around. And, and unfortunately in the moment that should have been like the joyous, right? The most exciting moment in my life for, in our life, it was for me, terror and horror. And the truth about what I had done in 1997 came rushing back hard and fast. This is what you did. No longer could I deny that wasn't that whatever lies I believed or whatever conditioning I had was out the window. But once again, I had to bury those feelings. Once again, that was another traumatic experience that was, was just building and not in a good way. So again, we went on, um, oh, and I just want to share too that, that, you know, there are one in one in three women have had an abortion before they turn 45 years old. So, um, and that does not exclude the church. That includes the church, those figures. Um, so I went, went forward with that pregnancy, pretty much great. Um, you know, Walker was healthy baby. It was awesome. Um, but again, I had to bury those feelings, had to push them down. Um, and then in April of 2003, yes, there's a trend. <laughs> did not plan it that way, but it happened that way. Um, it was actually Easter that year. Easter's in April this year too. Um, I, uh, was pregnant again, but this time, um, the doctors told me my numbers were going backwards. I didn't really know what that meant other than I was in a lot of pain and she told me I was losing the pregnancy. And anyone who's had a miscarriage knows how painful that is physically and, and, and mentally. But what made it worse for me was that the first thing I heard was, that's what you get. That's what you get. And, you know, I didn't have a belief system at that time. I don't know who was saying that to me, but I, I felt it. And I knew, I, I felt that it was true. And again, that trauma that I had been just shoving down, that pain that I'd just been shoving down was, was about to ruin me. Um, and so instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, because I just didn't have the tools for that, I, I, you know, at that point in our life, Daniel and I had bought a house. We were engaged. We had a big old crazy dog. We had Walker D, who was two and a half. And um, my response to that traumatic experience was to go ahead and destroy everything. Sell the house. Took the dog to the Humane Society. 
I moved in with my brother. He moved in with a friend. Walker would touch my finger where, where my ring was and be so confused at two and a half, not understanding what was going on. It was just total chaos. And that was the outpouring of trauma for me. Um, I had been invited previously, even kind of before all this happened, to a really good friend's wedding. Um, and so I, I went ahead and went to that. It was six months after this, the miscarriage. And um, I'm sitting at this wedding. And what I now know is this is very holy ground where I was. It's an incredible place. Um, I also didn't know that she was a Christian, but it was a Christian wedding. And I remember the pastor saying things about marriage that I definitely did not believe. <laughs> that was not my experience with marriage. You know, I wasn't married yet, but my, in my own families. Um, and saying things about how to support them. And I don't know, just how, you know, it was, it was a Christian wedding. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit came and removed that dark cloud of depression that had been over me. I mean, heavy, dark cloud. It was gone. It was gone. And I, I didn't know it was Holy Spirit at the time. And again, this is my evidence for pursuit, right? He was pursuing me, pursuing me, pursuing me. And I couldn't see it that until later. Um, but he removed it. And I can remember looking around and being like, what did I just do? <laughs> like, what really did I just do? What just happened? Um, and I, but I knew that I needed to reconcile. I knew that. I knew that um, I was supposed to be with Daniel. And so thankfully, we could work it out. We sorted it out. And um, we came to a realization together that we, we did need to get married. Like we either needed to commit and commit for life or, or be done. I mean, really, those were the only two options left at that point in our life. And so we did. We said, okay, we're going to get married. We're going to make this happen. And so um, just a couple months later, we actually found out we were pregnant with Thomas, who's our middle son, and he's our rainbow baby. And, um, and that went good, and we planned things and worked and did all that. And on April 16th of 2005, uh, we were married. Yes, April again, I know. <laughs> I had to redeem April. Do you guys get it? I had to. <laughs> I had to. There were just had been so many hard things in April, and I can remember actually consciously deciding this, you know, away from a bunch of birthdays, but also just to have something happy, you know, take place in that month. And it was. It was the best day. It truly was the best day. And so that a year from then, a year from our wedding, we were invited to church. You see what God's doing? It's incredible every time I talk about it. Um, and so little did we know when we said yes, when Daniel thankfully said yes to us going to church, that everything in our life was about to change and for the better. So yay. And I was pregnant with Cameron at the time that we went to church. So I have to tell you that he claims his salvation that way. He says, it, he, I got, I said yes. And he said yes. At the same time, he says, uh, he's so funny. He's a good guy. Okay. So let me go over this one more scripture with you. Um, I'm just sharing these scriptures with you today because they've been so real to me in my life. First um, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yay. And he was, he was doing that for me. So, um, so here I am. Uh, you know, I've accepted Christ. I love Jesus. Like, I love who he is. But what about my sorrow? What about my pain? Because all that's still there. You know, it's still, I got some stuff that I need to deal with, that trauma. Um, <clears throat> and so Jesus really started to highlight my abortion decision every time I heard a message about sin. 
He just, he just did. I knew that's what I need to talk about. That's what I need to figure out. I got to figure out that. Um, <clears throat> but I had no frame of reference on how to do that. And I truly don't think that I would have survived much longer had God not started to move me in the direction of dealing with that sin directly. At that point, it had been about 10 years. So, um, <clears throat> and because of so many years of stuffing that pain and not dealing with it in trauma and things coming up, I was experiencing intense emotions. And believe it or not, it sounds maybe like I knew it was because of the abortion, but I didn't. I really didn't know that. And I was having feelings of regret and guilt and sadness and shame and anger like you would not believe. And my poor guys, you know, my little guys. <laughs> and food addiction and anniversary reaction and detachment from loved ones, like really not allowing myself to bond with my boys, you know. Um, <clears throat> And all those things are very common for women with a past like mine. Um, and so that was really manifesting in me. And I loved who Jesus was and, I, and, and how he sounded and all the things that he had done was, was so inspiring to me. But here I was. I was coming to him with all that stuff. And, and what I had learned over the years is to build that brick wall, you know, a brick wall around my mind and my heart for protection because I didn't want to be in pain. Um, and so it you know, it, it protected me from that. Um, and so what I did is I, I just, I didn't feel worthy to like stand next to him. Right. So that wall was keeping me from really receiving what he could give me. Can't, I couldn't, re- I couldn't receive it cause I wouldn't let him give it to me. Um, and so I would just remove, I think I felt like in the spirit, I just removed a few bricks, you know, so I could see, I could see him. I, he had, I had Jesus in my sights. Um, but I restricted myself from drawing near. And actually, I did that with people, too. I'm working on that still. <laughs> this wall helped me to shut down all emotions, unfortunately. You don't get to keep like, oh, that feels good. Those are just fake, fake feelings. Um, the good and the bad were, were gone. And I was just completely emotionally and finally physically wrecked at the end of 2008. I couldn't do it anymore. Like everything was just a mess. And so I had to go to a doctor in downtown Portland. Um, and I was down there and, and this is more evidence of God being, you know, um, putting me in the right direction. Um, I had to drive unknowing to me until I got down there past a very well-known clinic. And there was a gentleman sitting outside in a chair holding a sign. You know, I don't read the signs. That's far too difficult, but I, I knew pretty much what he was doing. And I know that he probably thought he, you know, in his protest, he was doing the right thing, but me being who I was and experiencing what I've experienced. And then having just met Jesus, I was, I said to God, I, gosh, I just don't think if you were here, you would give that guy a high five. Cause I just don't see th- that's not the way to reach people. Right. Um, and, and God spoke back to me that in that moment and said, you know what to do. It's one-on-one. No, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Um, we'll figure that out. But no, at the time I was working in a job where um, I would sit down one-on-one with a family and help them work through finances and some other things. And um, and so I felt like that's what he was saying. You know, the, the success you have when you sit one-on-one with someone, that is how change happens. Not that, 
that is how change happens. So I kind of got it, but I didn't know what that meant for me. Like, what, how do I do that? So um, a few few months later, I don't know exactly, I was driving back and forth between Washougal and Camas, where we used to live, and I saw this clinic called Pathways. And um, it was it said pregnancy, so I knew they did something that had to do with that. Um, and and I, I just, I thought, well, maybe if I went there, I could share my pain. I could share how I'm feeling and someone would change their mind. They, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't make that same decision. Um, maybe that's what, what God meant by that one-on-one. I don't know, but I heard God say, call them and see if they need help. I was like, okay, sure. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. <laughs> so I called them and their, their pregnancy resource center, pregnancy resource centers are a nonprofit. They always need help. And so of course they did. Um, and so I went ahead with all the procedures, all the steps. And so one of them was to fill out an application. And when you're a woman with my past, there sometimes is a dreaded question on applications. And then it says how many pregnancies, how many miscarriages, how many abortions? And I'll be honest with you, I normally lied. I just didn't think it was anybody's business. Um, but here I was going to this Christian organization that, I, that God told me to go to. And so I had a decision to make, to be truthful or not. And I, well, I was truthful. I just told the truth. So, um, but I wasn't sure. This was going to be the first time that a Christian was going to hear this, you know, about me. So Margie was her name. She was the woman who did my um, appointment that day. And honestly, you guys, her response was Jesus. That's all I can tell you. It was life changing. Just that moment of, Oh honey, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll figure it out. But here's what we need you to do first. Here's what we need you to do first. We need you to go to a Bible study that will help women that have had abortions. And I'm, I just, I never feel like I can get the words right to explain what that meant to me. Here I am, this traumatized girl, this mess of a girl. He, I just met Jesus. I feel terrible about this decision. I'm a mess with my kids. I just want to help people not do what I did so they don't have to feel this way. I'm pretty sure that this is unforgivable sin. And it has to be based on how I feel. I mean, no one has told me that, but I've decided that. And all of a sudden, this angel lady across from me is telling me that there is a Bible study a Bible study. Like what? I mean, the, the, the realization was more than I could, that I could handle. And I, the emotion that came over me that day, I basically was like, I mean, I still want to help you guys, but when can I do that? Like, I want to do that now. (laughs) But most of all, she gave me hope that day. I had hope. That's what I got that day was hope. So The next slide I'm going to show you is Acts 10:43, And again, these scriptures have just meant so much to me. Um, of him, all the prophets witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Yes. So we're talking today about where I was and where I am now. So I finally got to go to that Bible study. Yay. It took four months. <laughs> I had to wait so long. It's, it felt like a long time. Um, but that was February of 2009. And during the Bible study, I learned so much about Jesus. Like, I mean, it was like a deep dive. You know, I'd been at church for a few years, but this was like just so deep. And I learned that he is my provider, that he is my healer, that he's all powerful, and he's my redeemer. It was powerful. It was so powerful, but mostly I learned about forgiveness. And what we talk about in classes, forgiveness is the key. 
It really is. I could see now the power in forgiveness, how it was what I was missing. I learned that forgiveness had more to do with trusting Jesus and less to do with feeling like it, feeling like I was forgiven, feeling like I wanted to forgive. I did not feel like I should forgive 19-year-old Jess, who made the worst decision ever. I did not feel like that. But Jesus already had. And I was holding her hostage in my mind, keeping her trapped. Doing that kept me from really accepting Jesus' forgiveness. But in class, I did. In class, I was able to realize the importance of that. And I wish I could tell you that in those 12 weeks that I was completely healed and changed. I wasn't, but, because that was a hard nut to crack, so do they say, right? Um, uh, But uh, times of refreshing had come. They had. Change was happening, and I knew that more was coming. I could feel that more was coming, right? So um, I'm going to read you something from this book. This book has gone to war for 10 years. It's It's so important to me. It doesn't look very big, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. So um, uh, I left the class with also an understanding of acceptance, because that's a big part of this process um, when you're grieving and you're dealing with forgiveness and then exiting that grief cycle. Acceptance is the last stage. And so I just want to share this with you. In this, in the stage of acceptance, I acknowledge that abortion ended my unborn child's life. I learned new ways of responding to the guilt and the sorrow following my abortion. I accept abortion as part of my past. I no longer dwell on painful memories nor try to hide them. I have expressed my emotions and grieving and are no longer consumed by them. I have hope that I will be reunited with my child in heaven and I look forward to that day with great expectancy. In this stage, I I also experienced freedom in forgiving those who hurt me. I am now open to praying for them and loving them. Having forgiven others, I cut the roots of bitterness. Having accepted Jesus' forgiveness, I stepped out, right, from underneath that black cloud of depression, away from the bonds of guilt, and stepped into the joy of the Lord, to live the life God intends me to live, a life that glorifies him. Yes, so good. I love that, that summary. So um, during my first group, when I was going through that class for the first time, um, I really felt God calling me to this type of ministry for life. And um, we just know when we're called to something, and I just knew. And I said, yes, okay, what do we do now? What's next? So I took all the necessary steps to become a facilitator and a leader for for this type of ministry. And I prayed and I heard God call the ministry Restored Nation. And then the group for women would be called She's Restored. And there is a group for men. I bet you can't guess what it's called. He's Restored. (laughs) That's important to know. Men need this too. It's very important to know. My husband went through group and it made a big difference for him. All right, so um, I got to lead my first class, my first group, She's Restored, in September of 2010. We've moved away from April now. That's okay. Um, And each group, 
I, that I've had the honor to lead because I truly consider it an honor to do this. I don't take it lightly. It's a huge honor. Jesus has brought healing and he has brought refreshing every single time. It is mind-blowing and amazing. I expect it, but it's still amazing every time I get to witness what God does. And he, and he does it for me every single time that I'm facilitating. I'm not even taking the class. And he, he brings refreshing. But then for the women coming, they, they are, they are, it's, it's miraculous. They're changed almost every time. Their eyes change. It's fantastic. God is so good. So I'm just, you know, like Dav said, I'm bringing my alabaster box. I'm sharing my heart's cry with you guys. And, and my heart's cry is that this mission that I'm a part of in, in Restored Nation is to tell everyone that there is forgiveness and healing of sins, especially this, this one. Um, and to share what Jesus has done in my life. He wiped away my sin. He brought times of refreshing. And I finally felt relief from my pain and my sorrow so thankful. I really finally understood that that pain I had had a root. And once I knew the root, I could ask Jesus to heal. So, um, I hope you guys have heard today that there is a truth. And that truth is that Jesus will wipe away your sin. He will. The hidden sin doesn't have to be like mine. The hidden sin the sin we've been justifying, the sin that does not seem like sin to the world, and even the sin that is just like mine. He will wipe away that sin. We have one of our classes starting next week. There is room for you. If you're in this room and you're feeling, you know what I'm saying, it's it right here. You're like, I got to go to that class. Yeah, you do. Come talk to me because it's time. Jesus will set you free. He will. But not just that type of sin, all sin. So right now, we're going to take a moment. We'd like to give you a chance to come down to the altar because Jesus will wipe away your sin. He will bring times of refreshing. You are so loved and forgiveness is yours. So will you guys just take, take a step and just stand with me maybe? And we're going to have Dav and Laura and my husband, Dan, and myself down here to pray. Um, Meg and, 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 his, and her team, they're, they're going to lead us in a song. Um, and if you want to come down, just for, you know, there is forgiveness. There is freedom. There is hope. And your story does not have to look like mine. So f- just feel free to come. This is a private time. We'll take time to pray with you. Um, And I just thank you guys. I thank you for letting me share today. And we're here for you. We love you. Thank you. And come just as you are. And hear the Spirit call. And come just as you
back and pray. There is such power in finding forgiveness and healing. And so we want to hang back and pray with anybody who just says, Lord, I, I need help. I need breakthrough. I need forgiveness and healing in my life. We want to hang back and pray with you today. If you need to pray about anything else at all, we'll be happy to lay hands on you and pray with you, anoint you with oil. May the Lord bless you. If you need to go enjoy some time in the cafe, if you'd like, feel free to be dismissed. Feel free to remain and pray if you'd like. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being with us online today. We're praying with you and for you. Come just as you are. There's no shame, no shame. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you King Christ the King Oh would you come and see Come and see Come receive Come receive Come receive Christ the King Christ the King Would you come and